Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode 292. My name is Adam Patterson. I'm joined today by Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Nice. Good to hear, good to hear that. Yes. This week, this week on the show, we'll be talking about Ari Aster's Hereditary, along with someone we've been watching on the watch list, including my thoughts on Hotel Artemis that came out this week. Ooh. Previewing some new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for tuning in. Just two housekeeping things this week. Uh, Ryan Watch's movie should be back again. I know that we've been inconsistent with that, but we had one last week. We're having one this week, so hopefully we're back on a good, a good uh, schedule with that. The new Film Pulse Selects film is out now. You can watch it. It's called Mommy Moments. It's a short film. Highly recommend checking that out on the site. You can go to filmpulseselects.com for that or just go to our regular site at filmpulse.net. And I want to thank our latest patron, Aurora. Thank you for becoming a patron. If you want to help support Film Pulse, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash filmpulse. And uh, you know, give us some uh, give us some shekels, and we'll uh, get get you can get uh, early access to our film pulse selects titles and uh, lots of other good stuff. Plus, you'll just be helping us out, and we appreciate that. I think we can go ahead and dive in to our hereditary review here. As I said, this is directed by Ari Aster. It's also written by Ari Aster. It stars Tony Collette, and Millie Shapiro, Gabriel Byrne. And uh, Alex Wolf. I have a synopsis here. When the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter's family begins to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about her and their ancestry. Kevin, I think we'll start it with you. What did you think of uh, Hereditary? Um, it took uh, it took quite some time to get where it wanted to go. And I found that uh, extremely frustrating. It, 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 to me, it felt as though he had one sequence that he just it had fully realized. And he knew everything that he wanted to do within that sequence. But in order to get there, he just really didn't have any idea. And we just kind of fucking wander around. Until we finally get there. And yes, it's well realized. It's well executed. But holy shit, the lead up to that is just... It's borderline mind-numbing. I found. Uh, I mean, I, I can kind of understand that theory. I don't I don't agree with it. I thought that the, the slow build-up, it, it worked for me. Um, just because I felt this, this mounting dread the whole time. Uh, I mean, I was, I was like, see, I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time. I was like, Oh my God, like something's going to happen. I know it. What, what does that mean? Cause there's like, you know, they, they drop all these little clues and that was enough to keep me hanging on as, as the buildup occurred. And see, that's the thing that I, uh, maybe, you know, it's just, you know, people experience things but to me there was no dread there was no tension like there oh, was man, no I was... It, like i had nothing like i'm yeah, just for me that's just kind of sitting there like are we gonna do something or i was so unnerved throughout the the whole 
the whole thing, I was just so unnerved. Like, I, cause I just, I just knew, I just knew things, things were beginning to fall apart. And it, but, but also like you, you say, like there's this slow buildup, but something happens near the beginning of the movie, a, a shocking, absolutely shocking event occurs towards yeah. the beginning. I mean, that was, that, yeah, that, that you don't see coming. No, I did like, not. What? That. Holy shit. I did Holy not expect shit. that, but I, it's for me. Yes, that was shocking. But at the same time, I feel as though that, like, all of those events, the events leading up to that shocking moment, I just thought were really poorly handled and just poorly executed. Wherein the stuff, the thing that I'm talking about that is well executed to me is the, the ending. To me, that was just, there's a huge shift there for me. I just like yes it was shocking but to me it was just like the actual the crafting of that moment was just kind of ridiculous. Mm. We might have to dive a little bit deeper into that and get into some some spoilers. Yeah. With this one. Yeah, I mean that I th- is I think also the ending is worth yeah. discussing. So, yeah, we might we might do a spoiler section for this for this movie. And I just I felt kind of and I mean that's another thing with the the ending, which, again, you know, I don't know how much, you know, like what is a spoiler. Um, I think anything <laughs> that's not, anything that's not in the trailer, I think would be, especially anything that happens towards that that ending moment. I can say I think I can talk about one of my favorite shots, like specific shots that would not be a spoiler uh, that occurs uh-huh. in it. And it's it's um, it's towards that sort of culminating moment. But there's this sequence where um, where Tony Collette is, she wakes up and there's the, all these ants at her bed. Mm-hmm. That, that scene, um, mm-hmm. the end of that scene where there is like fire that lights up and as soon as like the fire sort of engulfs the screen, it transitions to like another, another scene, the next scene. And I felt that that was just so well crafted how it, it almost like the scare moment almost plays with your, your eyes and the fact that like your eyes adjusting from darkness to light. And I really liked how that played out. I thought that that was a really interesting moment. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, it's not, um, it wasn't completely devoid of some noteworthy. I mean, to me, there's, Tony Collette, I think, is fantastic in this. I think she's just phenomenal. So you got that going on. That at least keeps you, at least kept me invested through that, through this long buildup that to me was just kind of unnecessary. It just really felt like he never knew when to like kick it in, you know, the, the shift the gear into what he really wanted to do. Um, I did like the, how you kind of said that like this, how they kind of play with light, how the, you know, there would be like a shot of the outside of the house with the surrounding trees and it would just like snap from, from night to daytime. 
Um, mm-hmm. There was some interesting things with uh, Tony Collette being this artist that kind of works on these these miniature uh, like dioramas type deals, and yeah. the way that they would kind of play with focus and and scale where there was actual scenes that looked like they were miniature. There was times when the camera was focused on the outside of the house with the surrounding trees and everything, and it looked as though it was a miniature version of that. Like, I couldn't tell if it was actually the house or if it was a miniature set that they created. Yeah, and I mean, even the the opening, yes. the opening scene, the opening shot, it starts with like a slow zoom in of the miniature house and we go in and then we see I think that was uh, Gabriel Byrne entering the room and we realize like okay we we just did a seamless transition from a a model to a, a real room and that was really well done yeah I mean there, there, there's there's things there I just there was um, some of the quote-unquote themes that i mean they're kind of uh linked into the title of this movie to me they just they felt just extremely bullshit like it's just there's nothing there especially with the shift that it takes towards the end where just it takes a sharp right turn and it's like everything beforehand just you know Again, that's, a, of, that's yeah, one of those that's, things where I'm like, that's it's kind of a spoiler to get into it, you know, fully, or maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty into everything as far as like the reasoning behind all of this stuff, but I, it was definitely my kind of horror movie as well. I, I really enjoyed the the tension building and the the fact that the scares and the horror elements were not really derived from jump scares. There wasn't, there were a few maybe here and there <clears throat> jump scares, but the film did not rely on them to, to give you that. No. And that, was, that horror, that was nice. That was refreshing. Even though I didn't Everything- really, like I said before, I didn't really have that sense of dread or anything. I mean, it, yeah, every- at least it didn't take the easy way out everything was sort of based around atmosphere and using the camera in interesting ways, like playing with focus. Uh, the, the camera plays with focus a lot to, you know, you, you see something in the background and it maybe will pull focus onto, onto that or something in the foreground or switch back and forth. And then, and then you have a lot of like just really shocking visuals in this too. I mean, I think, when when you we talk about this the slow build up and things like that uh pe- people may think that there's not a lot of uh of of shocking moments that happen in this movie but there's some really seriously horrific things that happen in this movie uh but it gets pretty pretty extreme in in some moments the, the thing that kind of i thought was surprising for me is uh like years ago uh colin stetson does the the score for this movie and years ago when i heard colin stetson's music i was like someone needs to to utilize this guy to to score a horror movie like it's just perfect because 
for me, listening to his music, it just, it fills me, it instantly fills me with a sense of dread, and it just, it makes me really tense and anxious. It's just, it's really unsettling to me. So going into this, I was, I was thinking like, oh man, here we go. Cause I get that just from listening to the music and now you're going to couple it with actual images. This is going to be fantastic. But it, to me, it was surprising that it, I did not, it didn't work. It just didn't work for me. I didn't, I never felt a sense of dread. I've never felt this like impending doom, this atmospheric horror to it. There's just. It just, it felt like we were doing nothing for so long. Man, that's uh, that's a shame that that it didn't work for you because it really, I was really into it. I mean, the the mouth clicking that didn't uh, no. that didn't make give you any kind of unease. Didn't make you feel creeped out a little bit. Mouth clicking, not really. I thought that daughter was so creepy. She's, I mean, I don't know. It just it felt a lot of there's a lot of uh, angles to it. Angles is a poor choice of words, but there's a lot of things to it that just it felt kind of gross to me, which was the first shocking moment. It kind of felt gross. And then this whole like tying in like mental illness to what's going on that felt kind of gross. Well, that actually makes me think of the the only like thing that maybe the only thing that that I was not a big fan of and this was was Gabriel Burns character. I thought that he was he was underdeveloped but he was also I felt like he was not a very supportive <laughs> husband/father slash father. like he, he just didn't he didn't do anything like he didn't do it's, enough. It's interesting that you said that cuz I never really thought about his character too much. Which, yeah, he he was just he was underwritten and well, there's played that, such a but there's no, non role. <laughs> but there also is that um, there's a, a couple of decisions that he makes. It just seems kind of odd where there's a phone call that he gets, like after the 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 initial service of the the matriarch passing away, which just felt kind of bizarre choice on how how you handled that. And then there's the, like, where he just kind of gets, he just, he seems to get really quickly frustrated with his wife and he's just really pissed off, which just kind of yeah. came out of nowhere where it was just like, what? Because in the beginning, it's, there, there were no indications to us that they had anything but a healthy, yeah. loving relationship. Yeah. But then, but then all of a sudden it seems like they're not even... They're not even a married couple. They're just like, like he's just dealing with her. Yeah. And it, it, I wasn't, I just wasn't on board with his actions or him as a character. I thought we needed more from him. And I told, I, I understand that they were using him as sort of a conduit to this, the whole mental illness angle where he's like, he just assumes that that uh, Tony Collette's character is mentally ill because she has a history of it. But still, when you see what he sees, <laughs> come on, dude, like you can't, this, this isn't, this isn't one of these movies where 
we're like, are they crazy? Like, no, we see. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, as a character, sees that there is something supernatural happening here. Like, there is something going on. Yeah, there's there, there yeah, there's really no, um, but <laughs> it's pretty clear cut. I think the moral of the story here is trust your spouse or, or else very bad things will happen to you. Especially when they, t- there's there's just clear cut evidence in front of you, like you don't even really have to trust her anymore at that point. I mean, you're seeing it yourself. Yeah, you can just trust your own eyes at that point. Yeah, uh, I, I'm. Uh, it sucks that this didn't really gel with you, because man, it. I thought it was great. I mean. It's not a hundred percent that it didn't gel with me. It's just I think that there's there's some moments and there's some elements to this movie that are just I think are fantastic. And then there's a lot of other stuff in there that is just just bad, just really bad. And it just kind of evens out, you know, kind of balances out to me and we're mm-hmm. like a kind of like a middle. A middle ground because i did gotcha. love i did love the end when i finally committed to something i was like yes i like this i like where you're going too yeah we'll we'll get into that in a minute <laughs> because things escalate and i was happy that things were finally starting to happen yeah anything else you want to add before we talk spoilers no i don't think so i think we can jump i'll in. just uh I'll, I'll mirror what you said about tony collette she was absolutely fantastic in this in this role she was incredible i would say even award worthy oh definitely i mean hell the there's a moment the the uh the argument that she has with her son alex wolf at the dinner table that hell that alone coupled with the where she's like pleading with gabriel burns character at the towards the end there i mean those two alone jesus what did she say she said something funny in that argument with her son something about sitting there with his face oh you have your face on your face (laughs) yeah you have your face on your face (laughs) face on your face uh i forgot that was there there was i mean it wasn't completely devoid of humor either like this this movie did have some humorous moments to it uh usually that was in the form of tony collette's reaction to some of the things that were happening uh the 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 first the scene when she goes to the uh to, to the the seance where she goes to and Dowd's house mm-hmm. and witnesses it for the first time her just her reaction <laughs> to everything i was like thinking to myself yeah that's exactly how i would react yep in that she's in that just like moment. i'm sorry i'm sorry it just grabs her back <laughs> I have to leave. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, I mean, that did feel really natural. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and give this a score, and then we'll we'll talk some spoilers, and then what I'll do is put it at the very end of the show. Uh, I think sometimes we put it in the middle and just note the time code, but I think that some people may not see that. So just to make it easier on everybody, we'll put it at the very end of the show. Slap uh, and the then, end. yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. that way there's no, you know, accidentally... Yeah. Listening. Yeah. So, uh, all right. I'm going to give Hereditary an 8 out of 10. All right. All right. I'll give it a 6. 
Alright, that's not horrible. I'm still disappointed. I'm sorry. Sorry to let you down. Alright. Hereditary's <laughs> playing. <laughs> Hereditary's so playing now. <laughs> I want you to love things, Kevin. <laughs> Is that do. too much to ask? I want to too. Sorry. Hereditary's playing now in theaters. Go check it out. Let's talk about someone we've been watching on the watch list. Mm-hmm. I got a I got a number of things. I'm covering a couple different film festivals right now, so I can talk about some of the things. Some of the things I can't talk about just yet. But I did watch a movie from 1984 called Dreams Come True. Now, yes. This is uh, one that we talked about on Ryan Watch's movie. This is directed by Max Kamanowitz. It's a trauma movie, but it was like an early trauma movie, and I didn't, I didn't think. I thought maybe maybe it's not going to be your typical trauma movie, and it's it's not really. It's it's odd. Uh, so the movie is about this guy who discovers that he can astral project and he meets this woman as he's astral projecting one night when he's asleep and finds out that she can do it too so the, the two of them sort of form a, a relationship and they start they, they start dating each other and they they're like making love on this astral plane or whatever and uh <laughs> They they start doing stuff like they realize like okay we can do we can do all kinds of crazy stuff when we astral project like we can go into a we can go to a pizza shop and steal a bunch of pizzas and eat them you know and get away with it and that's sort of the first problem it's like they they learn that they can astral project they can go anywhere they want in the entire world when they're asleep. And, and it's like the physical world. So they can they can go do whatever they want and then just go back to their body. But they don't do anything interesting with it. Like, they don't do anything cool. They just go get pizza and go to, like... What they, we go to, like, a mini golf place or something. It's so serious? stupid. Yeah. And... <laughs> And I was thinking, like, oh man, this is gonna be like kind of a sex exploitation film, judging from that cover. And, but it's not really; it's really tame. There's, there's like, there's no nudity. And oddly, I watched. So there's two versions of this that you can stream. I think it's the same version. So it's on. There's one on Amazon Prime, and then one on YouTube. And mm-hmm. oddly, both versions uh, are edited where. Anytime somebody says like shit or any any swear words at all, they they don't bleep it, but they like you know muffle muffle it like it's a like it's a rap song where they just kind of blank out that word. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's another version of this that's that's an R-rated version, but the version that's available for streaming is uh, incredibly boring and stupid. And I can't recommend dreams come true. Oh man! It, it's an it's. I think it's a cool idea, but it's they just, just do. it's yeah. It's crazy because I mean, when we first learned about that, and I read that synopsis, the furthest thing from my mind would be okay. While these two people astral project, 
they get pizza. Like, why would you make that movie? It's it's bad. It's really <laughs> bad and incredibly dumb. Because essentially, you know, when you actually project, I mean, he, he, possibilities are endless. You can do anything they do, you want in a movie. Yeah, like they do go to... I feel like they go to Paris or Italy once. I think they go to Paris. But that's really... That's really it. That's that's kind of all they do. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, pretty much. And I think the guy robs a bank, too. Like, he steals a bunch of money because he loses his job. Because it's too busy. Astral projection, gorge, and pizza. He's sleeping. Yeah. He's just sleeping all the time so he can astral project. But it also it also transcends time, too. So, like, for instance... When he first does it, he like projects himself to the next day at his work and he sees one of his coworkers get in an accident. Stop. And then the next and then the next day that happens. Stop it. So you're telling me he can time travel and instead of doing any of those things <laughs> he goes he to eats work. Pizza. <laughs> and he goes to work. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, it's Good. bad. It's wow. it's bad. Avoid. Uh, I saw the post. Oh yeah, Steven Spielberg. The post. Yeah. I I hate when this happens. This is one of those. Um, I don't know if people still have DVDs from Netflix, but this was like number twelve on my list, and somehow I got it. Like I don't know how that happens. Like if everything just beforehand was. Like they don't have it anymore or something. Man, DVDs are a hot commodity. They're just, <laughs> they I'm can't just keep like, them on the shelves. And like, I have it so far down on the list because I didn't want it, but somehow I still got it. And uh, all I can think of is, like, why is this a movie? I don't, like, it's, it's so incredibly basic. It's not that it's not poorly made. I mean, it's it's fine there's some really odd things that he does in that he makes um meryl streep mm-hmm. her character that you know owns the paper k graham like i like he takes it a bit too far like it like exaggerates like her ineptitude i guess where she's just like super timid and scared and just oh god i can't do anything men help me i just like to get the point across you know what i mean where it sounds so much to get the point across that it's just it's kind of laughable um the, really the only thing that worked for me was the bob odenkirk i mean that was great but <laughs> i mean it's just constantly being like, if Nixon's attacking our, our First Amendment, you know, we have to protect it. And it's just like, oh, wow, why? Why did we make this a film? All these people. Such a waste of money, it seems like. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I mean, I really enjoyed it, but I don't know if it necessarily was a story that needed to be told and... Film, yeah, film I, that's what I mean. Like it's it's not it's not like bad bad. It's just it's so unnecessary. What was the one that came out a year prior? The one with Michael Keaton. 
I can't remember the name of that. Oh. But the, Spotlight? Spotlight. Are you talking about Spotlight? Yeah, Spotlight. Yeah, Spotlight. And I really didn't like Spotlight too much, but man, that was much better than yeah, this Yeah, Spotlight was. was was better. Like, this This is like working on like a, I don't know, like a sixth grade reading comprehension level. Hmm. Harsh, harsh words about the Spielberg flick there. It's just, man, it is bad. Just bad. Oh, also, Tracy Letts was pretty good. Yeah. Becoming a big fan of Tracy Letts acting. Yeah, I'm a fan too. Uh, I saw Hotel Artemis. This is the one that came out this weekend, directed by Drew Pierce. Uh, another, another case of a, a good idea that just didn't really pan out. So, I'm sure that you're all familiar with this film, but if you're not, the premise is that it's a secret underground, well, not underground, but metaphorically underground hospital that criminals go to to get patched up and heal with no questions asked. It's run by Jodie Foster, and she has these very specific rules that everyone abides by. Like when they first come in, they have to be members of the hospital. They have to discard all their weapons and like no guests are allowed, no yelling at the staff, very specific uh, rules, no fighting and whatnot. And so Sterling K. Brown plays this bank robber who things, things go awry. And his brother, uh, who's played by uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who I love from Atlanta, he gets injured and they end up in the, in the, the hospital and they find out that one of the things they stole were these diamonds from this sort of organized crime boss played by Jeff Goldblum. And he is huge. He basically owns all of Los Angeles, including the Artemis. And as it turns out, he gets injured and ends up in the hospital as well. And Things go horribly bad for a lot of people. And I think that this is, this is a case of too much plot. I think that if you took this idea and just let that idea ride, it would have been a really interesting, fun time where you would have all of these like crazy clients coming in with different injuries and just the chaos of a hospital and the fact that Jodie Foster is essentially running this hospital by herself with Dave Batista, who plays her orderly. That's mm-hmm. just the two of them, you know, fixing people up and then new people coming in and then patients are that are that are healing, who are healing, are con- conflicting with each other and they're having their own problems and stuff. I think that that, that in and of itself would make for an interesting movie, but you add in these the all of these other elements like so you know it turns out that it maybe Jeff Goldblum was lying about something in Jodie Foster's past and this is brought up because Jenny Slate shows up and she is a police officer who gets injured and she knows about the hospital because of her past with Jodie Foster so then there's like all of the this sort of backstory and all of these things that are sort of interconnected that 
is supposed to lend itself to this broader narrative. But the thing is, it's none of it is that compelling. And then you have all these sort of side characters uh, like Zachary Quinto, who is he's like a nothing of a character. They don't really do much with him. And then you have um, Charlie Day, who is, I would say, annoying at best. He's another patient. And but at least, you know, he had some variety to it, I guess. Uh, and um, I can't remember her name. What's a Oh, Sophia Butella. She's great in it. And um, she plays this like assassin character who's also there due to an injury. She's there as a patient. And then you have like just all these backstories. Like, oh, it turns out that Sophia Butella's character has a past with Sterling K. Brown's character. And they, they seem like they might have been a thing at one point. So they have this personal connection with each other. And that comes into play later. And it's... And it's like, it's an interesting world that they that they have this set in, but all of these dangling plots just don't really amount to much. Like, there's really only one action scene, and you see it in the trailer. It's this scene that happens in a hallway. It's like this big fight scene. And that scene's great, but you don't really get much more other than that. There might be one other thing that that happens a short sort of fight sequence but again that that doesn't really add up to much and i just felt like they didn't really capitalize on what could be a cool premise it felt like you know they saw jo- the the writers of this saw john wick and they were like oh man that's cool like the idea of a like this this high tech underground criminal hotel like let's 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 make a movie about that but let's make it a hospital and that's sort of what it is and they just don't do much with it so unfortunately i can't recommend hotel artemis even though i mean everybody does a great job everybody involved with it yeah. I, I liked jodie foster's character a lot she has this like interesting little kind of like old lady walk that she does down the halls and stuff and she's a compelling character but yeah not not too into the movie in general. Uh, I was able to see one good movie. Um, I won't, you know, talk about it too much, but that's uh, Coco. I think uh, I think majority of people have already seen this. I haven't seen it, but... Oh, you haven't seen it yet? Okay. Ne- What's well, on Netflix? Yeah, I saw that it was on Netflix, but I just... I don't know, man. I, I, I never really had an interest in it either. Popped up on Netflix and I was like, okay, you know, good Sunday, Sunday afternoon movie. Let's do it. And uh, I was actually quite taken by it. I was quite surprised. I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah. Like, I I love the animation. I love the story. I was actually like, there's there's like a twist that happens that I actually didn't see coming and kind of caught me off guard. Um. I just I thought it was great, you know, the like the the story and where they go, like the world that they build and everything was just. I thought it was actually uh, pretty impressive. You know, it's funny. Like often when a Pixar movie comes out, I will think the same thing. Like ah, I'm not interested in that. It doesn't look great. And then eventually I'll see it and I'll be like, I loved it. <laughs> you know, like that's that's kind of how I am with a lot yeah. a lot of the Pixar stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't like I I honestly I remember like when this movie came out and I was like, "Oh, cool, that's cool." You know. That's interesting, but I never really had like a real want to see it. So then, you know, it pops up on Netflix, it's like, "All right, let's do this." Yeah. I was surprised. I was surprised. I didn't think I would like it this much, actually. But, man, if you haven't seen Coco, see Coco. Do it. Coco. Recommendation from Kevin. Kevin recommends Coco. All right. Surprise. Hereditary? Nah. (laughs) Post? Nah. Coco, there you go. Stay in. Save yourself some money. Uh, I'm covering dances with films right now, so that just started up on friday so i saw a couple things that uh, i can't talk about just yet but i did see two things that i can talk about thus far one was the opening night film that's called no alternative now um this is directed by william dickerson who we've had on the show actually he's been on the show twice i think over the years uh a while back he we covered it was early in the, in the life of film pulse that we covered his movie detour, which was this little sort of a containment thriller as I call them about a guy who's in a car and gets caught in a mudslide and he, he gets trapped in his car after a mudslide. And I was, Mm -hmm. I I really enjoyed that movie and he's back with a new movie called no alternative. uh, And it takes place in the nineties, 1994, I believe. And it, is a I would call it a semi not a no I wouldn't call it a biographical film but it's based on it, it it's based on his life and his relationship with his sister so it's this coming of age story about a brother and sister growing up in uh, New York in the early 90s and the, the both of them are suffering mental illness. They both have depression. The son who's the the brother who's older has no apparent symptoms of it, but their parents tell them that that he struggled with it as a very young boy. The sister, on the other hand, she's heavily medicated and she has these like awful mood swings and she's dealing with a lot of just inner turmoil and the the brother sort of gets into the grunge thing. He forms a band and he's really into that scene. The the sister gets into underground hip hop and she decides that the best way for her to express herself is through music. So she creates this alter ego and starts doing hip hop shows and rapping. And it's interesting like the the William Dickerson's sister in real life, this is what she did. And he actually uses the songs that she made in the movie. Uh, and it's, uh, it's quite good. I, I enjoyed it. I would give it a, a light recommend. I have a, a review up on the site. It went to some places that I didn't think were necessarily earned, but it is still a pretty solid coming of age story nonetheless and again that's called no alternative it's playing it dances with films right now i don't know if it has a uh, a wider release date yet 
And any other movie I saw, which I'll only touch on, is called Till Death. Um, the reason I'm only going to briefly touch on it is because I didn't like it. Uh, it's, this is this is directed by Matt Matt Eames. It's a black and white thriller about this woman who um, her her husband is sick. He's on his deathbed. She calls in this doctor to to help with it. I believe they don't say it, but they sort of allude to that he, that this doctor is kind of helping him die. I think the doctor basically killed him. But then she ends up falling for this this doctor. They they get married, but he is an absolute monster. Like he is so overbearing and so just tyrannical of her that their their marriage quickly sours and she suspects that he's cheating on her. And it seems like, like he kind of realizes like, oh man, she's probably going to leave me. So what he does is he blinds her. He poisons her contact lens solution, causing her to go blind. And she sort of suspects that he's the one that did it. but She's not quite sure at first, but then he decides, you know what? I'm just going to kill her, which is like kind of the first problem I had with this movie. It's like, okay, well you, you want to keep her around so bad that you decide to blind her so she doesn't leave you. So she needs you. But then you're just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to kill her. So he tries to set up these things around the house that would kill her. Like he puts a golf ball on the stairs so she would fall down it, but she finds it. Like she, she's, uh, she seems to have these almost daredevil like blindness powers because oh, she got the everything yeah. all her other sentence got heightened they don't say that like they, they don't show that in the movie or anything but i mean it definitely seems that way because some of the stuff that she does you're just like all right come on now that's a little a little too much but so she decides after she finds out or after she sort of uh she believes that he's trying to kill her she has she has no proof of this but she decides she's going to get the upper hand and take care of him first. So the rest of the movie is her figuring out how she's going to kill him and then what to do and all of that stuff as a blind person, which cool idea, but it mm-hmm. just doesn't doesn't really go anywhere with it unfortunately and it a lot of it felt very uh, amateurish. I know that's harsh to say, but it felt very much like a student film. To me, there was this odd voiceover narration from the guy, like from the doctor, throughout okay. throughout that's maybe not, half the movie, and then it just ended. Not a choice. Yeah, and then it just ended, and then we switched perspectives to to the wife. But it's like, okay, well, if the movie's about the wife and the horrible shit that she went through and all of this stuff, then why are we even wasting time listening to the ramblings of this asshole? Like don't inc- it added nothing to the story. We don't need to include that. If she's the protagonist, if we're seeing her story, then let's stick with her and, and let, let's not try to force some sort of weird attachment to this guy 
and try to develop his character through this this voiceover. I think that like the voiceover was probably designed to make us understand him better and hate him more, but we didn't need that because we already hated him. Like he cuz yeah. cuz he does and, and it's just the the decision making in this movie. Like the, some of the stuff that they do is so odd and the black and white doesn't really work at times. Like there's a lot of these kind of establishing shots and things that look really good, uh, especially for the location that it's in. It's, it's in this kind of beach community, but it's always kind of foggy and hazy and it looks really good in black and white. But then there's other times where the lighting just feels really off where things are too dark, like things are darkened that probably shouldn't be, and you're having a hard time seeing what's going on. And it almost feels like the the movie was was not originally going to be in black and white, and they decided to make it black and white in post. Mm. Because you know you have to light things completely different if you're going to be making it black and white. And it just didn't. It just didn't feel. It was just a messy movie, and I. I that one really didn't do it for me, but uh, at any rate, if you want to keep a lookout for it, it's called Till Death. Uh, anything else on your list? No, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. Let's move on and talk about some new releases that are coming out in theaters this week. We got Superfly coming out. Not, uh, right. not too into this one. Mm-mm. I don't. I don't think anything that's directed by a guy named Director X. I just don't know if I can get behind that. Director X. Are you, are you intimidated? <laughs> Director X. Oh, Director X. Got The Incredibles two coming out. Big. Uh, speaking of Pixar, big release here. It's been a long time since the first Incredibles. And again, this is yeah. one that I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't really interest me. Yeah, but I mean, for me at least, the uh, the first Incredibles, I was kind of eh on. Me too. I I wasn't. I thought it was alright. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't quite see what everyone else was saying. Yeah, I mean, I like, I remember when it came out, I wasn't interested. In it. I didn't catch it until after it it hit. I don't think I saw it probably within the first two or three years that it came out. But then finally I watched it one day and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, it's it's not, I, it didn't blow me away or anything. But this one, again, I'm just, I'm sure that I will like it. I'm sure that I'll see it at some point, but it's really not anything that I'm clamoring to see. Uh, speaking of which, we also have Tag. This is the uh, upcoming comedy with uh, Ed Helms and John Hamm and Jeremy Renner and Jake Johnson and Hannibal Barris. No. Good cast. Movie itself, not really. You know, it's about a group of friends who've been playing the same game of tag for like 15 years or something based on a true story, but eh. That's just stupid. Yeah, yeah, not too into that. We also have Gotti. This is the John Travolta biopic about John Gotti. No, thank you. Nope, not into that either. Got Lo- Loving Pablo. This is uh, with uh, Javier Bardem and um, uh, Penelope what's Cruz. What's that about? What's that about? Uh, Pablo Escobar. Uh, that's what I figured. Yeah. Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, Javier Bardem plays Pablo Escobar. I, I feel like we've had enough Pablo Escobar. Yes. Stories. Yes. I think I think the the one on Netflix the the series Narc is it Narcos is that the name? Some. Like the one that. on Netflix is fantastic, and I feel like that's the only one you need. All right, what else we got here? We got the Year of Spectacular Men. I think that's a uh, like a coming of age, coming of age story. It's uh, directed by Leah Thompson. Okay. No opinion on that one. I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's pretty much it for theaters. Let's take a look at VOD. On the 12th, we have Vidar the Vampire, which is a vampire comedy. It is comparing itself to what we do in the shadows, which probably is not a good idea. No, I would not do that. No. Bad move. Not, not into that. We've got Apocalypse Rising. I love the poster for this one. I think it was Chris that pointed it out. Uh, one of our writers that the poster, he's wearing a necklace of skulls, but the, the, the size of the skulls does not match his body. If they're supposed to be adult skulls. So you can only assume that he is wearing a skull necklace of babies. He's wearing a baby skull wow. necklace. Yeah. So Apocalypse Rising, not into that. It looks like some sort of Mad Max type ripoff thing. We got Guilty Men. Not, not too familiar with that. Looks like a, a thriller. It's like a modern Western style thriller, maybe. Got Jurassic Games. That. <laughs> Uh, win the games, win mm. your freedom. There you go. Enough said. Got Knight of the Virgin. Evil has no gender. Evil has no gender, Kevin. Evil has no gender. Horror movie. I have to. I gotta look that one up. Uh, it looks like it's about a. A guy who is determined to lose his virginity and follows home a woman. Only one problem. Instead of celebratory sex, he receives an intense lecture about the, the, uh, a, a Nepalese goddess, Naoshi, and finds a cup of menstrual blood in the bathroom. Things go from perverse to worse okay. when Medea's jealous boyfriend arrives... Trapping Nico in an apartment with the steady, steadily growing suspicion that Naoshi is no myth. Ooh. That might give us a look, actually. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't seem that bad. No, that actually sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Then on June 15th, we have Set It Up, which is on Netflix. It's a romantic comedy. It's about these two office assistants who their, their bosses just make their lives utter hell. So they decide, you know what? We're going to set up our bosses to start dating each other, and then that'll let us off the hook for some reason. Because they'll be so yeah. distracted and, and happy and in love. 
Yeah. But then guess what happens? The two assistants fall for each other. Oh shit. Yeah, looks looks Damn. looks very Netflix. Uh, unexpected things always happening. Yep. That's wild. Yep, Blu-ray this week. We got Tomb Raider. This is the the new one. Yeah. Uh man, that's a that was a Manila folder that movie. Just bland yeah. as all hell. Nothing interesting going on there. So I probably wouldn't recommend that. Scream Factory is releasing Ninja Three: The Domination from 1984. Amazing cover. Mm-hmm. Love the cover on that Ninja Three. The Strangers Pray at Night is coming out. Still not quite sure if that's like a remake or a sequel of that series or what. Mike, I might give it a look. We got Love Simon. I heard I actually heard that was pretty good, but I'm still not too interested in it. Let's see what else we got here. The Dark Man trilogy is coming out on Blu-ray. I haven't I haven't watched a Dark Man movie in so long. I, in fact, I don't know if I've ever seen the second or third one. I have to give that a look. We got Vigil Arrow is putting this out. This is from 1984. Uh, we should have a review for this one up on the site. Got the Humanity Bureau. This is the Nick Nick Cage one. Looks pretty bad. <laughs> we got the Jurassic Dead coming out. Jesus Christ! A lot of these. A lot of these dinosaur movies coming out, trying to capitalize on the new Jurassic World movie. That's pretty much it. What do we have as far as Criterions this week? Uh, we have one, and uh, this one's good. I mean, kind of a surprise. I like when Criterion does this kind of thing and branches out. Uh, that's uh, Lino Bracca's Manila and the Claws of Light from uh, 1975, Filipino movie. So, getting uh, getting some Filipino cinema in the Criterion from 1975. Very nice. Watch out. I like that. Getting away from the standard Europe. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can... Follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash FilmPulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. Hey, we'll see you next week. All right, let's talk some spoilers for Hereditary. So uh, the the big the big thing, the culminating moment happens towards the end. And, and like I said earlier, they give you little clues. They sprinkle in things here and there. Like she finds the book that was her mom's the this the spiritual book, but she doesn't really yeah. pay it any mind. Which, by the way, if I found that in you know, one of my dead relatives' belongings, I'd be looking through it immediately. Yeah. I'd be like, what is this? They were into, like, the occult and stuff? What, what What's going on here? Yeah, it, I, I do think it's odd that, like, the one book that she looks at is just, like, notes on spiritualism, where it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of... That seems kind of innocent. People are into spiritualism. 
But then, like, the other books are, like, fucking occult shit. Like, that yeah. seems <laughs> seems a bit different than spiritualism. And, and I think, am I misremembering, like, things are either circled or highlighted? Oh, like she's, certain yeah, passages. she's got shit highlighted. She's, got, she's, like, noting the stuff up, and I'm like, all right, well, there's some, there's definitely something's going on here. And then there's, like... That that's the triangle, like the symbols written on the on the floor and the house and stuff. Yeah, and then also like one of the other kind of creepy clue things is, you know, she's she's talking to her daughter and she she mentions that she never let the grandmother, or she never let her mom have any kind of contact with the son, but then yeah. she she did with the daughter, and then the daughter. There's one scene where the daughter says. You know, grandma wanted me to be a boy. And then you see that that one like diorama that she made with the with the grandmother with her her breast out. Yeah. Like I guess I don't know what she was trying to do, feed the daughter. I, I, I don't know. know. Yeah. But you, you see sure. that you, you see that and you're just like, oh man, something something weird is going on here. I mean, I think pretty early on you can sort of put together that there is uh, uh, s- some kind of devil cult oh, yeah. stuff going on. And that's the thing that kind of bothered me a little bit was when she's like in that, the the support group or whatever, and she's kind of going through like her life and everything. And you get in this sense of like, oh, this, this family has like a rich history of mental illness. Like, okay, you know, and then to just use that as an excuse to take the turn that you do. Just uh, to me, that felt it was a little gross to me. It well, just, also, it, it was have, a little off-putting, you know. Yeah, but but the whole mental illness thing comes into question when you have to. Well, that's you what I mean. Look at, at yeah. the at the son, the son who they thought was schizophrenic because they said that the mom wanted to put people inside of her, but we later find out that that he was actually probably correct that she was trying to put. Yeah. Uh, what what's what's the demon's name? I can't even remember. Oh man! Like. Payman, 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 yeah. He's like the eighth, eighth king. I don't know the eighth king of hell. I don't know why they have that many kings. Seems kind of ridiculous. Well, it's probably a big place. Probably a lot of people. I know, but still, eight kings. Jesus. There's probably different areas. They rule over different lands of hell. That's true. I wonder if they like each have like their own defining thing. Oh, there's probably a whole government set up down there. It's it's probably it's probably a fucking nightmare too. I would imagine nightmare. I would imagine. Dude, so we just <laughs> so we just getting into getting into the the governing of hell. We yeah, just, let's go down that rabbit hole. Like no actual torturing gets done because it's just a bu- bureaucratic nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just fill out all these forms and yeah, bogged down with paperwork. And this department thinks Appeals. that they should be responsible for this, <laughs> and then but the other department thinks they should be responsible, and it just gets there's just nonstop gridlock. <laughs> sounds about right. That sounds like hell. <laughs> yeah, it, it does seem fitting. So we find out that uh, the the mother was involved with this cult. She sort of uh she creates this this pact she wants to she wants to resurrect this eighth eighth king of hell so that they that she can get riches and have just have be showered in riches 
showered in riches and have all of her wishes come true, but then she dies. And so the cult decides to pick up where she left off. And so they were able to to resurrect the demon, Mm -hmm. but they put it inside the daughter. The daughter and uh, the, he didn't like that. He huh. didn't like being in the in the girl, the like thirteen year old girl. So they were like, "All right, we got to get rid of the girl, put it in the boy, put it in the son, Peter." Yeah. And then, uh, as a result, they it's never explicitly said or shown, but I think it's safe to assume that they facilitated the death of Charlie. I mean, that was. That was something that was, you know, I guess just keeping that shit vague. Like, not only Charlie, but also, like, the mother, Tony Collette. Like, okay. Like, is that... Well, I think... Is that King... Is that something that King Payman needs? He needs well, some I think, sacrifices or something? I think that when Tony Collette... Okay, so let's... So, <laughs> so I... Th- Headless worshippers. I think the cult conjured something, maybe that that animal in the road to make Peter swerve and cause the death, the horrific, violent death of of his sister. She had her head out the window yeah. because she was having an allergic reaction to some nuts that she consumed at a party. Which, by and, the way, I mean, if she's that allergic, why are they so careless with the EpiPen? It just seemed. You like think they, that they never definitely had, they never had the EpiPen. Never. Yeah, you you would think that they would definitely have it in the car. You think that shit at would least. be on a fucking lanyard around her neck if it's that bad. I yeah, so she ends up being decapitated uh, because there was an animal in the middle of the road. He swerves, gets too close to a light pole. She gets decapitated. Yeah. And he instantly goes into shock and drives home and leaves the body in the back of the car and just goes to bed. Mm-hmm. And then Tony Collette's character finds her body in the morning and they cut away to the head, which is absolutely Yeah, that was, the, that was the thing that, that kind of got me a little bit. Again, something that was just a little bit gross to me. A little off-putting. It's just like, come on now. It's fucking cheap. It's pretty intense. Cheap. Uh, Cheap, cheap uh, tactics, Ari Aster. And then you I got like, like I didn't really. Again, I didn't really think about Gabriel Burns' character too much. But since you kind of pointed out, you know, where she's just fucking losing it, and he's just like, "It's okay, it's all right," like rubbing her yeah, back. Yeah, he doesn't. It's <laughs> just like, dude, your daughter I was decapitated. I think that one scene, there's one scene later on when he just like fucking loses it in the car. Yeah. And I think that's to show that he was just kind of bottling everything up and finally he just let it go when uh, he was in the car there. But so then we, we, uh, her death, I guess, released the demon and then Andal does the, uh, the seance or whatever. To bring to bring it back, and then they need to get after it's back. They need to get it inside of Peter, which they later do through 
I don't know. I don't know if they had to get him in like a vulnerable state to. Which that should have been pretty easy. Get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really, think like they, a, immediately after she was decapitated, he probably the demon could have just popped right over. I think. Yeah, they uh, they fuck with him for a while too. Which the the sequ- the the sequences that were in the school, you see one of them. Actually, the one that's in the. Um, in the trailer, I think is a mixture of two scenes that that occur in the school, but the the one is pretty intense when it sort of grabs him and lifts him up and slams him on the desk. It's pretty creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, was, uh... Kevin's just like, this, this shit doesn't scare me, pussies. I, I, it's not that. I just I don't know. It just didn't, to me, it didn't seem all that creative. You know, to have the, the reflection of the, the the smiling him when he's not smiling. You didn't smiling. think his, like, his distorted face and his arm, like, all twisted no, and, like, just, sticking there. It, it just, it seems, it for you? I don't know. It just seems like things are kind of, like, everyone's kind of utilizing the same, uh, same things in horror movies. Did you see The Conjuring? Did you ever get around to seeing that one? I'm pretty sure I one? did. Yeah. Yeah. And you weren't a fan of that one either. No. That was garbage. This is better than that though. Yeah, it is, but <laughs> I feel like but I feel like it it sort of plays around with with some of the uh, this the same themes. Well, there's always that like a demon takes hold of the the body and contorts it and like snaps arms and stuff. And it's just like, a, you know, I've seen that and I don't know how many movies now. Yeah. That's well, why I like when it when it got to the end. That's when I was like, "Here you go, here's an original thing going on. This is nuts." So you, so you get to the end. Tony Collette is completely lost it at this point, and she believes that this notebook that Charlie wrote in, which is was used to what she thought bring her back, yeah. um, she she decides that she wants to burn it here, thereby severing the tie. And sending her back, but that doesn't really work out. She throws it like the first time she tries to do it, it lights her on fire. Yeah, and which is again I guess, like that. Which is that movie? What was that movie that just came out with the smiling people and they try and burn a photo, but it lights them on fire too? That was Truth or Dare, wasn't it? Yeah. See, that's the thing I'm talking about. It seems like everyone's doing the same thing at the same time. Uh, Imagine that this did it better than Truth or Dare. But oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm not going to find out. You tell so you that. Se- yeah, I'm not going to see that one either. The second time she throws it in, it ignites Gabriel Byrne on fire, and he, Which unfortunately, he, yeah, he, he really, succumbs to the flames. He hasn't been doing anything, really. I just I like how when she puts it in, it just like slightly catches her arm on fire. But when she puts it in again, it completely engulfs him from head to toe in flames. <laughs> like, why didn't it just catch his arm on fire? Why Why didn't he get a break there? They were like, fuck that guy. Nah, because they put a lighter fluid all over. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she, he, she doused he is, it. He, is, he was done. He was yeah, done. Yeah. So after she does that, it uh, she gets possessed. Now, I don't think that the, the the demon i don't think like payment or whatever uh i don't know if he went into her or if he 
had something else go into her or if he was just controlling her like remotely yeah who knows i'm not sure what happened but she definitely got possessed by something yeah it was just an excuse for her to like hang out in the, the in the old the old ceiling corner yeah like she she started floating and crawling on the ceiling and doing uh, that stuff she, she got which which then leads to so like it turns out that the the grandmother's body gets exhumed and has her head cut off and Give me fucking break. the bo- <laughs> the body is being stored in the attic you got you got flies too every horror movie seems to have flies now well bodies a- attract flies kevin well, the body's it's just a natural also. Thing. I mean, they make one thing of it where they're like, "God, what's that smell?" You have a fucking decaying body. Okay, someone dug that shit up, put it in your fucking attic. It's been like a month since you had the funeral. Like, you would smell that shit all the time. That wouldn't just be a come home one day and be like, "God, what's that smell?" and then move on with your life. That would be an all-encompassing thing. Like, you wouldn't be able to eat. You wouldn't be able to sleep. There's a decaying body in your attic. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, their dining room's downstairs. The attic is up Come on now. above the second floor. You know, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe the house is big enough that that smell wouldn't permeate through the whole place. Sure. We don't know the logistics of the rotting corpse smell. <laughs> sure. Anyway, Peter goes up there, and his mom's up there, which results in one of the most disturbing scenes, I think, of the film where she cuts her own head off mm-hmm. with the piano wire uh-huh. type thing. Oh, yeah. that scene is, uh, that's difficult, difficult to watch that one. Just the, that, that the sound, you know, it reminds me of audition. It's like yeah. audition. The yeah, sound she, of the she, piano wire, the, she's determined to, to it, it it's it seems as though she, it's like a race against the clock too. Like she only has yeah. like ten seconds to do it, or something. For she's some just, reason, the the inconsistent pattern with which she does it makes it more effective. So she'll do it like real fast, she'll be like, and then she'll like slow it down a little bit. So she'll get in there real slow, and then she'll maybe stop for a second and then do it again. And you're just like, oh my god, it's never it, gonna end. Another thing that I didn't like, because again, this seems like something that's just been repeated constantly, is like older cult members just being naked for whatever reason. Yeah, that's like a naked. Like, why is that always a thing? Yeah, that's like a Satanist thing. Like, they're always such a dumb fucking thing. I think they do that in real life too. Like Satanists, they they love just hanging out with their genitals, (laughs) hang all over the place. I don't know. Old naked people are creepy though. Like that's I think that's really the crux of it. When you see an old naked person standing in the corner of your darkened room, I think it's if creepy. you saw a naked person regardless of age standing in a dark corner of your room, I think that would be creepy. I'm sorry. Yeah, but yeah, but old old people make it creepier though. It's the the fact that they're old makes it makes it more creepy. Anyway, it turns out uh, so he she tries to escape. He jumps through the window in the attic, lands on the on the ground. That gives the demon an opportunity to go inside of him, and then he 
goes up into the treehouse, Charlie's treehouse, and they have this like little shrine set up. So they have the grandmother's decapitated corpse, Tony Collette's decapitated corpse, and they're like kneeled down. Mm-hmm. And then there's this like shrine that's you that has Charlie's severed head with this like crown on it. And then Ann Dowd's up there with the other naked cult members. And mm-hmm. we find out that, you know, he is now this demon. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. It's the end of the movie. We brought him back. Brought the demon back. Which what then happens to, like, his kingdom in hell while he's gone? Who's ruling the eighth pro- I don't know, province? Is it a state? Is it a province? Region? I don't know. An empire? Maybe they're... Maybe they're progressive and the queen took over. I guess maybe. She assumed duties for him when he's uh, taking his pilgrimage to our mortal coil. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to do here now. Didn't seem like he was doing anything. No, I don't know. You just hated this movie. You just... just but fucking... It got so interesting at the end, but it took forever to get there. By the time it did, it's just like, oh, thank God. Finally doing something. Any other spoilers before we move on? Mm, No, I don't think so. I was really... The way that the trailers set things up, they make you think that... They let you know that the grandma passes away. That's sort of the catalyst for all of this. So you know that going into it. But in the trailers, they sort of make you think that the daughter, the creepy daughter, is behind something like the the grandmother is manipulating her possibly possessing her and you you think this is going to be like a a demon child situation but when they kill her like in the first act uh, i was really shocked i was a little bit yeah i was shocked too i gotta say because i really yeah i mean the way the trailer sets it up is you think that she's the key to this and i mean she kind of is but not you didn't think in you know you thought or at least i did i thought she would be there until the end of the movie yeah (laughs) yeah i think uh either way this is a this is a great debut this is from uh, yeah from ari aster i mean yeah for a debut it is uh it is definitely definitely uh of note. All right. There you have it. That's hereditary. <laughs>